This morning I want to talk about fathers. Kind of a novel idea on Father's Day, isn't it? I came up with that idea all by myself. <laughs> and the calendar. Thanks, Jenna. I got one supporter. Um, Father's Day. And you know, one thing that we, whenever we come into a holiday setting and we have opportunities to speak about mothers or fathers or Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter, I know those are dangerous times for some people because they bring up um, sometimes bad feelings. They bring up bad connotations because of history. And, uh, and I don't want to... I don't want to do that this morning. I don't want anyone to, to look this morning at Father's Day and, and then think, oh, I had a crappy father. Or my dad wasn't there for me. Um, but I want, to, I want to take this time this morning to be honest about those times. You can't cover them over. You have to recognize what your life was about, what happened. But I think the most important thing that we all can glean out of this is that our past does not dictate our future if we choose not to have that happen. Certainly it can if you get caught in that trap and for some reason you can't get out of it. But, but the grace of God comes in and it takes away the past and it makes the past ineffective when it comes to your future. And there's a lot of lessons we can learn from our past that help us in our future. So this morning as we talk about fathers, I don't want to bring up the connotations of a negative issue with a father because, you know, God has established our human fatherhood very similar to his heavenly fatherhood in the proper sense. And as we get through the, the, the day today, we're going to see how that plays out. We're going to do a little bit different today. I'm preaching this morning from overheads, which I haven't done before. So you're going to see a lot of information I have a lot of facts that I want to share, and I thought the best way to do it was to put it up on an overhead and we can talk about it that way. So this may not be a necessarily a preaching session, more of a teaching session, more of an information sharing session, but I do trust, though, that you will get a takeaway from it and you will be challenged by it into how I can take the past and let it be the past, good or bad, learn from it, and then move on to the future and the promises that God has for us. I want to start with a little video first. Hey kids, mom needs more help inside. Hey, how many kids do you have? Three. Three? Yeah. That is a good number. Whoa, whoa. Um, let's just concentrate on this one for now. <laughs> Hey, what's it like being a dad? Oh, I would love one hour with you, one hour of just being with you, then I could say... Kiss your daddy, kiss your... Hashtag gag me. Ugh. Mr. Clams has been sleeping for two days, Daddy. Goodbye, Mr. Clams. No! Alright, just slow down a little Dad, bit. stop yelling at me! I don't think that's... <gasps> oh! Okay, okay. 
uh, and that is why we always wear our seatbelt. And that's the birds and the bees. Proud of you, son. Run, huh? Run, it's gonna blow! Have I told you lately? I know, Dad. You love me. You tell me all the time. Actually, I was going to tell you I think you're beautiful inside and out. Whatever. You are disgusting. Yeah, Dad, you are disgusting. This right here goes to your future. This right here goes to you. And this right here goes to God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How much does God get? What's wrong, beautiful? Trevor broke up with me. Thank you, Lord. He's such a jerk. I, he broke up with me on a text message. just replied. Dad, I can't believe you! <laughs> Thanks, Ben. He didn't deserve you. <laughs> he didn't deserve you. One, two, Heavenly Father, thank you for being so good to us. God has the coolest job. He can make clouds all day. Yeah, he does. But I think one of his very best jobs is when he made you. Daddy. Hey, what's it like being a dad? How much time you got? Sometimes some of those are just too uh, get too close to home. <laughs> That's really good. Larry, would you throw up the flower hit point? And uh, I want to talk now about dads. How much time do you have? And recognizing that the time that we have 
is very, very important. So, Dad, how much time do you have? And, uh, and recognize here this morning that, go ahead, Larry, and uh, just recognize that it's all about you, Dad. It really is today. This is your day, but how do you spend it? All right. How important are dads? Okay, I have a number of facts that I want to read through with you here. So let's just bear with me as we go through these, okay? Go ahead, Larry. <laughs> All right. So, all right, let's read through these with me. 63% of teen suicides come from fatherless homes. It's five times the national average. 90% of all runaways and homeless children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 times the national average. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 14 times the national average. 85% of children with behavioral problems come from fatherless homes, 20 times the national average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, 9 times the national average. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes, 10 times the national average. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes, that's 20 times the national average. All right? Let's talk about dads and their girls. First of all, pretty staggering numbers, isn't it? Dads and their girls. How important, dads, are you in the life of your daughters? Go ahead, Larry. 53% more likely to marry as teenagers for fathers when they're not involved. 711% more likely to have children as teenagers. 164% more likely to have a premarital birth. 92% more likely to get divorced themselves. Fathers, your daughters need you. They really do. Let's go ahead to the next slide, Larry. How important are dads? Is there a problem here? 91% of 701 fathers surveyed by the University of Texas at Austin agreed that there is a father crisis in America. So what can we do about it? The question for us today is, what do we go? Where do we do with it? Now, when dads are involved, we see some other good numbers. So let's talk about that. When dads are involved, 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. 70% less likely to drop out of school. More likely to get A's in school. More likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities. Even in high-crime environments or neighborhoods, 90% of children from stable, two-parent homes where the father is involved do not become delinquents. Adolescent girls raised in a two-parent home with involved fathers are significantly less likely to be sexually active than girls raised without fathers. Dads, pretty important, okay? Let's summarize the role of a dad here. Children with involved fathers are more confident, better able to deal with frustration, better able to gain independence and their own identity, more likely to, to mature into compassionate adults, more likely to have high self-esteem, more sociable, more secure as infants, less likely to show signs of depression, less likely to commit suicide, more empathetic. Boys have been shown to be less aggressive and adolescent girls are less likely to engage in sex. Now, this is not saying that these dads were perfect here. It just says these dads were involved. We make mistakes, dads. You're going to make mistakes. The importance here is that your time involvement with your children, 
So don't put a premise on perfection. Go ahead, Larry. You don't have to be perfect. Just stay engaged and be involved. Don't let yourself be taken out of the equation because of some things that you have in your life that you think I'm not good enough. Because you are good enough, Dad. You are good enough to be there for your kid, for your, for your child, for your daughter, for your son. Just don't disengage. Let's talk about God for a minute. It's not a coincidence that God models our earthly family after our heavenly family. Do you recognize that? That so much in Scripture where it, it, God talks about heavenly things, heavenly Father, Jesus the Son, and then he calls us earthly fathers and our sons and our daughters. It's not coincidence. It's not just a fluke. God designed it that way because when we can relate with something we can touch and feel, like my dad and my brother, my sister, my mom, then I have a better way to relate to things I can't see, like God, my heavenly Father. Now, I understand that to some people that have had a bad relationship with their dad, that puts them in a tough situation having a good relationship with God or Heavenly Father. And this is where the grace of Jesus has to come in. This is where an understanding that Jesus will and the Holy Spirit will come and he will restore that relationship and that reconciliation that needs to happen so that you can have that relationship with the Heavenly Father. So let's not unfocus there. Let's just recognize how important it is that we are in a father-child relationship as we're told in Romans chapter 8 verses 14 through 17. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is Hebrew for an intimate relationship with Father. Not just a dad, but a Father. Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. See, we are adopted into the family of God. Now, not every man that lives is in the family of God. God loves all men. He loves all people. But it's only as we reflect God's love back and we receive Jesus as our Savior does God adopt us into his family. Difference here, okay? I know our society doesn't like to look at it that way. Our society likes to think God loves all people and therefore because God loves you that you're okay and you're going to go to heaven. God loves you. He does love you. And he's loved you so much he gave his son. But now... If we're going to make it, if we're going to make it into his family, we need to then love Jesus, all right? What if, what if God is removed from our lives? What if our society says, God, we don't want you or we don't need you? What happens then? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen if we did that? And let me ask the question, have we? Have we? Has our society kind of given God a back burner here? Have we put God backwards? All right. There was a, um, a legal act that, was, that banned prayer in schools back in 1963. And um, David Barton uh, wrote a book 
to pray or not to pray. And the next few slides that I'm going to show you are a result of his study of his book. And the prayer that was banned from the schools was as written. It says, Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. So in the next few slides, we're going to talk about morality. We're going to talk about violent behavior, educational achievement, and family stability. And we're going to go back and we're going to put a measure of what happened prior to 1963 and what happened after 1963 when this ban was put in place. And we're going to see the trend. And I'm not too concerned about the numbers, but I want you to be concerned about the trend. I'm going to show you some graphs here. And uh, it's important that we see the trend by the fact that God has been taken out of our world, the trend is. So, Larry, let's uh, go to the... What does it say? It says here... In 1963, okay, this is morality. Birth rates for unwed girls, ages 15 to 19 years of age, high school age, okay. This is rate births per one million or 1,000 unwed girls. And here's the here's the marker. This is when that law was put in place. And look what's happened since 19 from 1963. Look at the rate, our birth rates for unwed girls in high school ages. Morality. Next slide, Larry. But violent behavior, again, here's 1963. Uh, total uh, offenses in millions over here. Violent crime, number of offenses, number of violent crimes. We see the population growth has, has maintained relatively steady. So it's not an increase in the, our population. Our population has, has grown relatively slowly. But look at the rate of, of behavior issues, of violent crimes since 1963. Look at the rate it was on. If that would have continued, it would have gone up like this. Look at the rate increase. Significant. Next slide, Larry. Educational achievement. SAT scores. 1963. Biblical natural law rejected, which is basically the, that's the law that was taken prayer out of schools. What has happened to our educational trend? See, and this really only goes to 1995 or so. So imagine where we were today. This is a relatively old study. Imagine if we had it updated to 2013 standards. Where would we be? Family stability. And this is uh, families, uh, homes with single-parent households, female head, no, no spouse or no husband present, number of households in millions. Again, here's that marker, 1963. Population growth has not gone up that much significantly, but look at the rate of... Uh, of increase in family instability where we're having single-family homes. Do you see a trend? Do you see a trend here? If you go and look at what happens when fathers were absent, we saw from our study that the children suffer, that families are broken apart, that generations are destroyed because what the father does, the next generation typically follows unless there's some type of a godly reaction into that mix. Whatever the father does typically is where the kids go. What happens when God is removed? Well, we saw people as a whole suffer. Entire civilizations are broken apart. And eternal life becomes eternal death and eternal separation. So there's a trend here. And, and it's a trend for what happens in the family and what happens with God. That's why it's so interesting to, to say that 
what happens, um, there's no coincidence that God calls himself our Heavenly Father and he calls me an earthly father. And when my presence isn't um, consistent and relevant in my family, what happens to my family? And when God's uh, relationship and God's involvement isn't kept in my life and in my society, what happens to my life and what happens to my society? We see them correlating very tightly together, don't we? All right, so what do we do about it? Well, I would say right now it's time for us to be godly men or to be godly fathers. But before we can be a godly father, we have to be a godly man. And how do we do that? We recognize first that God does love us. This is important that we recognize that God is love. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. In other words, before I was even acceptable to God, like I am right now anyways, but, but even before I cleaned myself up, God said, Mike, I love you. I love you just the way you were because I created you. I have better, something better in store for you. And it's by his grace we've been saved. And then John 3:16, a verse we all know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God has demonstrated his love for us. So what do we do? We, our, our job here, our purpose, what we need to do is we need to invite God back into our lives. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. See, this is an Old Testament passage that was given to the Old Testament Jewish community, but this relates to today. I can take this promise, and if I, if I follow what it's asking me to do, I have to call on the name of Christ. I just can't say because I'm called a Christian. No, I have to call on Christ. I have to humble myself, and when I do that, God will forgive me, and he will heal my land, which is what? My children, my family. And if we do it corporately, if we humble ourselves and if we repent, he will lead us into that promised land. He will heal us and we will move. If, and if we're ready, God's ready. So what's God's reaction to all this? What is God's reaction? When if I go to God and if I say, God, I, I'm sorry, I, I need you in my life, what can we expect from God? Well, Second Timothy says this in verse one, or chapter 1, verse 7, For the Spirit of God gave us... For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. Well, what, that, what does that mean? What does it mean if God gives me power, love, and self-discipline? Well, it means that I can demonstrate the power of prayer. Dads, listen, do you know how important it is that you teach your children how to pray? Dads you need to show them how important it is to be on your face before God, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week. Let them see you pray. Let them hear you pray. Let them, let them uh, experience what it is to see your, your, their father pray to God, our Heavenly Father. Demonstrate that. We need to be less timid in our expression of our love. Dads, tell your kids you love them. Tell your kids how important they are to you. Tell your kids how proud you, you are of them. Girls, dads, tell them how much you love them and hug them. They need physical touch. 
They need a man's touch. And if they don't get it from you, they're going to get it from a boy. So dads, you hug them. You give them what they need. Dads, tell your sons how proud you are of them. They need to hear physical acclamation. They need to say, yeah, I'm good enough to be like my dad. Because I don't care what age they are, they want to be like their dad. Tell them you're proud of them. We need to be more self-disciplined and show our children how to live godly and holy, set-apart lives for Christ. We need to be examples, Dad. They're watching every step you take. Everything you do, they're watching. All right? So now, where do we go? Fathers, after you have your relationship right with God, first get your relationship right with God, Dads. Then teach your children. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely. Verses 9 through 10 so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Who better suited to teach your children than you? You cannot put the, the responsibility to teach your children on the church. You cannot put the responsibility to teach your children on the schools. Moms and dads were to teach our children. It's our responsibility. We're the teachers. Now, we can go to the church, and the church is important to affirm what we're teaching. It's important that we get our kids into church so we can get it into corporate settings where they can learn and they can hear from other teachers as well. But dads... Teach your children. What else do we do from them? We love our children. We speak good words to them. We spend quality time with them. We invest ourselves in them. We make them the priority in our lives right behind our wives if we're living a right life there. We love them as Christ has shown love. And more importantly, probably the most important thing we can do is we can show them how to fear the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2, So that you, your children, and your children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Jackie, would you come as I begin to wrap this up, please? It's important, dads, that we don't be shy with our love. It's important that we don't be skimpy with our love. You know, love is not something that we have a limited amount of. Isn't that amazing that God has enough love for all the people of the world and he never runs short? You know, if, if you want a good example of, of love and, and how we never can run out of it, if I had a, if I had a candle here, I, I would light a candle and see a flame. And from that one candle, I could light unnumerable numbers of candles. Every time I light, take a little bit of flame out of that flame, I'm not taking any of the flame away from it. Isn't that amazing? That I could light candle after candle after candle after candle and this flame would never diminish. That's God's love. That's God's love. That's why he says, love your children, love. Because you cannot give too much love and you will never have enough. You will never run out. The more you give, the more you have. So don't... Don't get cheap on your love. Dads, what do we take away from this? Summarizing our Father's Day PowerPoint. Dads, know your role and absolute importance it is. You're not perfect. We make mistakes. 
but we're to be the role model and we're to lead our children to the Heavenly Father. And how do we do that? How do we do that? Fathers, first of all, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. Before you can lead your children, you have to have a relationship with the Lord that's right. Secondly, you need to show your kids how to forgive and how to ask forgiveness. This is what we can do, all of us this morning here. This morning, I don't know what your relationship with your dad was. I don't know what your relationship with your kids are or is. But this is a great opportunity to show your kids how you forgive and how you ask to be forgiven. What better way for your children to see you if they know that you had a rocky relationship with your dad, what better way for them to see you forgive that doesn't condone what they did, that doesn't say what they did was okay. They might have really hurt you. It might have been really bad. You're not saying it was okay. What you're saying is I don't hold it against you. What you're saying is I forgive you. And when you forgive people like that, what you're really doing is you're allowing yourself to be forgiven by the Heavenly Father. Unless I can forgive others, then He can't forgive me. And so what a great teaching opportunity, Dads. What a great opportunity. Don't let those teachable moments slip by. God orchestrates things like this in a, in a perspective and in a fashion that if you will be sensitive that you can use this as a teachable opportunity. The best gift a father can give his children is to, is to lead them into a relationship with Jesus. And here's the, best, here's the best news yet. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. Dad, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're living the life that you should be living with your kids or not. I don't know. But it's never too late to start. It's never too late to go to them and say, you know, kids, I haven't been the perfect dad. I haven't. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the times that I let you down. I'm sorry for the times that I wasn't there for you. I'm sorry for the times that maybe I wasn't modeling the relationship that we're to have with our Heavenly Father. So would you forgive me? And you know what? When you do that to your kids, do you know where you're going to go in their level of estimation? Do you know how big you're going to get in front of your kids at that moment in time? Do you know how they're going to blow you up? But the enemy will come and say, no, don't do that. Don't admit anything. Who are you listening to today? Who are you listening to today? So before we pray, I want to ask some questions to the dads here. First of all, dads, where are you with your relationship with God? Do you have a proper relationship with Jesus? Is God your father? Is he? He can only be your father if you've accepted Jesus, his son, as your sacrifice. So close your eyes with me if you would. And, and, and let's just examine our hearts this morning. Dear Jesus, dear God, would you examine my heart today? Am I really your son? Have I really asked you to forgive me of my sins? Lord, if there's anything within me, search it out. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive or wicked way within me, Lord, and then lead me in the way of everlasting. Search me, God. And Father, if there is, would you please forgive me? If there is, would you show it to me so that I can say I'm sorry and that I can ask you one more time or maybe for the first time or maybe the tenth time or the hundredth time to be my Father. Thank you, Jesus, for leading me to the Father. And then after you do that, then this is a great time to go back to your children and to go back to them and say, guys, I had something new happen in my life today. I've asked Jesus to forgive me. And I've asked him to, give me, to, to make me be a new dad for you. A new dad. I, I don't care if you're three or if you're 30 or if you're 60. I, I don't care how old you are, son. I'm still your dad. And I want to be a godly dad for you. I want to be that man that, that you can look up to and say, yeah, I learned from my dad how to be a godly man, even if it was later in his life. Amen. Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we read some very bad stats at the beginning of this little presentation. God, we read some very bad things that happen when dads are taken out of the lives of children and families. And how we have, in the same essence, taken you out of our society. So, Lord, I'm going to do as Chronicles said, and I'm going to humble myself before you, and I'm going to come to you today, and I'm going to say, I am sorry. I am sorry, and I'm asking you humbly that you would heal our land, that we would come and we would repent before you, meaning that we would turn around and we would go the other direction, and we would, instead of not inviting you in, we would begin to invite you in. Dads, if you haven't invited Jesus into your life, do it now. If you haven't him invited, if you haven't invited him into your family, do it now. Begin to invite him back in, and as you invite him back in, he is faithful and just, and he will make good on his promises, and he will heal your land, and he will heal your families, and he will heal your relationship with your wife, and he will will heal your relationship with your estranged sons and daughters. Father, would you please do your work in our hearts and lives. Holy Spirit, would you be made alive in the hearts and lives of us today. And I ask this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? I want to sing a song. Jackie's playing. Do you want to sing a song, Jack? Sure. Let's sing this song. And then uh, I have some, we have a treat for all the men. I knew you'd like this part. We have a treat for all the men. There's some cookies in the back. And uh, grab a cookie if you would, Dad, as you go out. And uh, if you want to share it with your uh, kids, you can. But uh, it's for dads. Amen. Let's sing a song. Thank you. 
we go to our homes today, if you want to talk, if you want to dance, if you have something on your heart you want to share with me, I'd be more than happy to speak with you. Or any other Christian man here would love to come around you and just put your arms around you and encourage you to be all you can be for Jesus. Be all you can be for your kids. Amen. Father, we just welcome you today to go with us as we go to our homes. God, I pray that this, this message, Lord, in its simplicity would have a, a huge impact in our lives. I pray, God, that you would be the Father that we all need, that we would welcome you back into our lives, into our hearts, into every place that we go, into our homes and our businesses, into our relationships. We surrender our life to you, and we submit our life to you, dear Jesus. Lead us to the Father. In Jesus' name.